Have you ever confused a dream with life? Or stolen something when you have the cash? Have you ever been blue? Or thought your train moving while sitting still? Maybe I was just crazy. Maybe it was the 60s. Or maybe I was just a girl. Interrupted. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where two imperfect people talk about a lot of imperfect shit. Did I miss something? I don't think so. <laughs> I said it I said it wrong. Where imperfect people talk about Im- Oh my god. No. Can you do it? <laughs> um imperfect people talk about imperfect conversations. Or- <laughs> <laughs> do we oh need- shit. Is this a sign that we need to re- redo our intro? <laughs> No, this is this is the perfect intro. <laughs> it's too complicated, Lauren. I thought I could have a consistent intro, and I don't think... I know. Hello, friends. Welcome to Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations. How about that? That we do. <laughs> yes. I'm Christina. And I'm Lauren. I'm in a good mood today because we're doing another movie review episode. Yes, and we've been waiting for this one. <laughs> but first, Lauren, what day does this come out? Monday. Monday, the 10th. <laughs> and that means that y'all have four days to submit your voicemails to be featured on our 100th episode. That's right. Um, and you can count those on one hand, so you have no excuse. And if dates confuse you like they do for me, um, just Friday. You have until Friday, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> the week that this comes out, you have until Friday. Uh, we got two messages over the weekend, Lauren. Awesome. And I have not listened to them yet, even though I'll, I'll have to listen to them when I like slice them together. Uh, I, I'm yeah. like trying not to listen in advance because I want to have like a fresh reaction along with you when we listen to these. Yes. It's going to be <laughs> so much fun. I think I'm going to cry. Oh, I mean, I don't well, know. I, it's It's been your baby for so long. I just, you know, showed up a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, but like you've really done a lot of things for the podcast. I hope you know that. You have no idea like how much of a load you've taken off my shoulders. I feel like I'm having fun again with the podcast. Yay. <laughs> I hope you are. I definitely am. And if anyone's curious, I definitely put in my effort today. Yes. As oh. you will see. Lauren has been teasing the pickle palate cleanser <laughs> For this whole week, and I have no idea what's going to happen. You will love it as long as you have a sense of humor. I, I hope I, I think I have a sense of humor, guys. Oh, I'm sure funny? you do. I was, no, you, you do. I'm just saying, like, for anyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> oh, I hope they do. Like, if you know you don't have a sense of humor, maybe turn it off before. <laughs> I don't think they'll, they would be listening at this point if they didn't have a sense That's of true. humor. Okay. <laughs> so today is going to be like, well, we had a filler episode before the 100th. And we both have been kind of busy this week. And Lauren was like, what if we just did another movie review? And I was like, Girl Interrupted? She was like, Girl Interrupted. Yep. (laughs) We've been wanting to review Girl Interrupted on the podcast ever since we did our first movie review of To the Bone. Mm -hmm. 
This movie is a lot more mainstream, though. Yeah, I've seen it a lot more. I think a lot more people are more familiar with this movie. I read the book in high school. Um, I don't remember a lot about it, sorry. I was saying, because I didn't, like, read the whole book, but I do remember, because this is probably around the time when I was, like, sort of obsessed with the movie, and that was also when I used to... um, just kill some time sometimes by going to Barnes and Noble and getting a coffee and just like picking up books and reading them while I was there. Oh, I love doing that. Yeah. Oh my so God. Remember... Can we do that when I go see you? Yes. That would be so much fun. <laughs> but so I remember I didn't like read the whole book, but I remember I had it. I read a lot of parts of it. I skimmed some to see what was the same and different. So yeah. So let's start with that. What is your experience with this movie? So I had to look up. It came out in 99. I thought it was 92. Did the book come out in 92? No, 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 no. The book yeah, came out in 92 because yeah, that, that's the year that I was born. Right. Okay, I knew there okay. was a 92 in there somewhere. Because I was going to say no. It definitely did not come out till I was in college at least. <laughs> yeah, and I know like as soon as I saw the advertisements, I was just, I mean, it was one of the first I felt like really mainstream sort of movies that was like, here's a bunch of people that are fucked up and how they're dealing with it. And that's how I'd felt for the last several years. So I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this. Especially (laughs) movies about fucked up people that also are women. Yeah. And in 99, I was, you know, 19. So around my age too, I was just, yeah, I was prime audience. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Their target audience, I would say. Yeah. And I will say before we get into it, what surprised me, because Yeah, I probably saw this a good, you know, like eight or nine times within the like five years after it came out, but I haven't seen it since then. And I really expected worse. Yeah, I want to say the same thing, honestly. So I had all week to watch this movie. Guess when I watched this movie? Last night? This morning. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I started it last night, but I fell asleep. But I'm really glad I did because it's fresh and mm-hmm. honestly, I've really enjoyed it. I gotta yeah. say. I mean, I wrote down lists of stuff I hate too. Oh yeah, of course. I have plenty of that too. Yeah. But it was <laughs> but I mean what I really expected is to be like, oh my gosh, this aged so terribly. They got everything wrong. It's horrible. And Yeah. I mean, some things don't fit with today, but I feel like a lot of that is because it was a period piece. We'll give you guys a summary soon if you haven't seen this movie, but basically it's based on a book written in the 90s, uh, written by an author who went to a mental institution in the 70s. The movie adaptation of the book was made in 99 and it's set in the 70s. Yeah, it's actually the late 60s, I believe, because I I did do some extra research because I didn't You're right, you're right, you're right. It totally. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah, it is. It's like 68 or something like that. It's the end of this. She's not just a co-host. She's also a fact checker. Uh, right. I fired Fang <laughs> from that position. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, he was probably just chewing up all the facts. <laughs> <laughs> chewing up all the facts. Yeah, it's a. It's kind of a weird movie in that it, it's dated a little bit because like, not only do they say problematic things that people mm-hmm. actually said, but also I think when they made the movie, there was also less social awareness about certain things. Yeah, because what I really remembered and I knew I was going to like criticize heavily is that I was like, uh, the main character, at least in the movie, presents barely anything that is borderline, which is what she's diagnosed as. And Angelina Jolie's character, they say, is a sociopath. And I was like, I think that's kind of questionable too. But when you actually like see the movie and I guess even more when you read the book, they say like when this book was published and the movie was published, people are thinking like, 
Yeah, we think it was kind of questionable that they got diagnosed that too. So it's more like saying people really just threw things at people without honestly knowing. Well, honestly, people didn't really know a lot of stuff in the the 60s. Exactly. You know, uh, there were a lot of misdiagnoses and treatment that could be considered questionable by today's standards. And I feel as far as like some of these diagnoses, diagnoses, then it was probably just a lot of things like, oh, you're difficult to deal with. Let's just throw a label on you and call it that. You're you're a woman that likes to have sex. Well, that's you're a promiscuous, <laughs> yeah. and you're, thus you are mentally ill and dangerous. Right. Yeah, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that for sure. Um, but yeah, let's start out with mm-hmm. the book. So this episode is not going to be about the book because we're not really familiar with it. Like I read it a long time ago. Yeah, I have to go back to the end of my notes because that's when I looked up book stuff. <laughs> but basically the goal of the book, it was a memoir mm-hmm. um, written about the author's time in a mental institution in the 60s. And this quote from Wikipedia it, um, tells you like what the goal was basically. So her goal with the memoir is to overtly express how incalculated variations of mental illnesses are present in our daily lives and our social circles. Conceptions of mental illness portrayed in media and other published works have historically villainized individuals deviating from the social norm, especially when it comes to addressing the taboo of mental health advocacy. So stuff that we're about. Yeah. Uh, What are your thoughts? Kind of what we've been saying. So a a quote I took, um, I believe directly from the book that I also felt like kind of weighed in on all this is sanity is a falsehood to help the healthy feel normal in comparison. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that's basically (laughs) the gist of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is sanity and what is being crazy? You know, like, it's fascinating. And I kind of like the overall tone, which, spoiler alert, is basically (laughs) just like, mentally ill people are just like you, and... They're nothing to be afraid of. That's what I feel like. Yeah, we're just like like you. Um, I think everyone's a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're nothing to be afraid of. By the way, another thing when I was looking up the book that I found, I don't even know, like bowled me over, because they don't show this, portray this in the movie, but I did know from the book that she spent almost two years there. Oh, wow. In the movie, it's only one. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's one. It might be two, because I know at one point she asks to get out for Thanksgiving, and then it flashes forward, and it's like Christmas, and she's still in there. I guess when I watched the movie, I felt like it was something like four or five months, but yeah, it was almost two years, and the thing I did not know until like looking this up today or yesterday was she basically only got out because she got a marriage proposal and she accepted (gasps) it. So it was basically like, now you have a man taking care of you so we can let you out. That is fascinating because (laughs) honestly, I did not like the main character, Susanna. So we should get Mm -hmm. into a summary. Yeah. Do you want to take it away? Yeah. And I will say I expected to dislike the character more than I than I felt this time. I feel but, like we're going to um, fight she, about this. Uh, <laughs> in the movie, she's not made to be like the dramatic one. She's she's your narrator. She's not, I feel like, the main interest. But it starts, she is upset at her parents. Her parents sound like mine, kind of controlling and about appearances. But also we see that she had this affair with her mom's friend's husband I think it was her teacher professor Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and um she just seems really upset about all this and possibly at 
the breaking point as people get to, so she just starts taking pills and drinking vodka straight out of the bottle. Not that, you know, we know anything about that. Because she, <laughs> she had a headache. Right. She wasn't trying to kill herself, as she states multiple times. She mm-hmm. just had a headache and she starts, like, having depersonalization episodes and, like, she feels like all the bones in her hand are gone. And so her doctor hears that yeah. and they're like, psych ward for you. And (laughs) they evaluate her, and I guess they decide she needs to be committed for a year, possibly. Mm -hmm. And so this girl, Susanna, she's upper class, fresh high school graduate. Actually, this movie, at least the beginning of it, had so many parallels to The Graduate. Have you seen that movie? No. You've never seen The Graduate? No. Oh, well, it's another movie that was made around the same time. Well, it, the movie was made in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, yeah but, it's, it's um, an older movie. But... Yeah, but it's about a fresh yeah. college graduate who's, who goes home to his posh, upper-class life, and his parents' friends are all crowding around him at a party asking him, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then he is seduced oh, by an older okay. female neighbor. I mean, I know that part because, you know, I'm alive. I know the basics of the movie. <laughs> The Graduate has a soundtrack that is entirely Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, Mrs. Robinson. Guess what song plays at the beginning of Girl Interrupted? First song, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> no, but uh, it was really interesting to me, the parallels right down to her like having an affair with her right. parents' friend. I that was really that. interesting. That's, that's interesting. But she yeah. basically like doesn't know what she wants to do. She's the only one in her high school graduating class who didn't have mm-hmm. get to, accepted to doesn't college. Have a college plan. She yeah. like slept through her graduation, and everyone calls her a freak. Uh, she's just like rich and bored. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not salty about it at all. I guess maybe I felt for her because like. I saw her her family life, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I've had those parents." Oh I mean, yeah, rich, I mean, but they acted like it. I I would probably <laughs> honestly go a little crazy if I was in her situation too. And whether you like her or not, this is like one of my very first notes. Is I was like, "Is this literally the most gorgeous Winona Ryder has ever looked?" Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> Like, the first, like, 15 minutes, I was just like, holy shit, she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, let's, dude, the cast is fucking insane. You have, like, Winona oh, Ryder, Ryder yeah. looking her most gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie, which the alternate title for this movie should be Angelina Jolie Trigger Fest. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, hello. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just amazing cast. Uh, I wrote at one point, teenagers smoking and then in parentheses and smoke and teenagers <laughs> <laughs> i have so much everyone about smoking is too, hot in this like, movie no. it's insane i know and everyone's smoking yeah and then like the later times when you'd watch it you'd like people that i didn't realize because i didn't know who they were the first time it's like oh my god clea duvall and elizabeth moss holy fucking shit this Brittany is murphy packed yeah it's pretty crazy so she gets admitted her mom doesn't even talk to her after her therapist basically says you're gonna go to treatment and She's like, where's yeah. my mom? He's like, she's in the car. He's like, it's better if she doesn't talk and to you. And then he go. puts her in a taxi to take <laughs> her to the hospital. Um, also, I had a, a note that like, why is it that when the day that you are committed, it is always a beautiful day? <laughs> like for me, every time I've right? gone to treatment, it's been such a gorgeous fucking day. And in the movie, I noticed like when she gets into the taxi, it's just a beautiful fall day. Kind of like it is now. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that that day actually looks like exactly like when I went inpatient for the eating disorder. 
because mm-hmm. that's what I remember. It was it was late fall, so it was usually cold, but it was this kind of more like sunny, sort of like crisp coolness, and it was so nice. Yeah, it's like the like, universe being like, are yeah. you sure? Are you sure you want to go put yourself away? Like, look at this. Come on. Yeah, I remember I like made the decision to like walk like a few stops because I had to take public transit. Oh, yeah, me too. Just like, yeah, I just like got off a few stops and I was just like, I'm just gonna like a walk because it's a really nice day and I don't know when I'll get out next. I don't know when I'll be able to walk again. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she gets to the hospital. It's like, it's not a state hospital. I think it's like a private hospital. No, because Whoopi Goldberg's character makes a comment about that once that she's just like you don't even know what rough is i've worked yeah, in state hospitals this is like a five-star hotel <laughs> yeah so she gets there she goes inside she signs herself in which is important because she is 18 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so they're like you have to sign yourself in your parents don't do it like yep so she signs herself over to their care and she's admitted to claymore mm-hmm. and then she starts meeting the other patients yes <laughs> uh, i kind of love this supporting cast a lot like, all the characters have their own little stories, and they all get their own moments. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are more likable than others. One of my notes as well, which I think I never realized before, because he does look so, so different, but you just, you can't deny the voice, is she's having, like, one of her first therapy sessions, and I just wrote, George fucking Bluth. <laughs> I was Who? so excited. Um, the father on Arrested Development. <gasps> Wait, he was a therapist? Yeah, he's like the the what? the main therapist, like the bald dude. He was so forgettable. I just like, kind of like dozed off when he was on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I paid attention to him, and he looks like nothing like the actor now. But if you hear it, you cannot deny the voice. You can hear him just being. You know, like... Well, it's good that you bring him up because I forgot to say when she's being admitted, she repeatedly denies the claim that she was trying to kill herself like the basically you get the feel that they're trying to put her in the institution because she tried to kill herself and the doctor is so convinced he's like why were you here did you take the recommended dose she's like no right (laughs) yeah i hate i didn't like that there's there's a few things that just kind of like hit me because of like direct parallels i know well i was i couldn't wait to hear your take on this because you just went through kind of a similar experience yeah and whatever episode that was 96.5 <laughs> yeah just, like search, radio station. just search <laughs> yeah. the episode uh, called lauren went to the psych ward right or lauren, spent <laughs> exactly. the psych- lauren spent the weekend in the psych ward but if you've heard on that one then you know it was just kind of like it was a, a a thing that i said taken out of context but you know when they ask me a million questions every time and they of course ask you like have you ever made a suicide attempt mm-hmm. and i always never know how to answer that because i do kind of feel like i did once and it was it was a long time ago um, but then but they kind of label that, you suicidal yeah, forever i never know whether to say yes or no because i don't think people will understand the my line expl- is blurry yeah i don't know if people accept my explanation which is that I probably took about like 20 or so um, over-the-counter sleeping pills, and I started with four. It was right after the the boyfriend from hell broke up with me, Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, confused and depressed. And yeah, and I just like started with four, and it wasn't working, so I took four more. Oh, that's how it gets, yeah. Yeah, and I just kept going until like I had pretty much like taken the entire like whatever was left of the pack and I kind of like knew in the back of my head even doing that because I I had a friend whose sister was a pharmacist so I got a lot of like additional knowledge that you you know don't necessarily want which was that she said the only like truly reliable way that you can kill yourself with pills is not over the counter but like 
heavy prescription sleeping pills. Yikes. Yeah. Ugh, it's such a dangerous thing to say to someone. I would yeah. be like, you know, challenge accepted, bitch. If I, you know, <laughs> at one point in my life. But it, but it did. I felt like just kept me very like far away because she said like pretty much anything else is probably going to make you sick beforehand. Like usually that's how your body wants to respond. Yeah. Or just like completely destroy your body or your brain. Yeah. And, but and you're I'm... still alive. Like that's my worst nightmare. Yeah. So knowing that I knew I was like, okay, so I mean, this is just like over the counter unisom. So I really don't think that it's going to be something that will do that. I know that I'm taking too much, but that was literally going through my brain the whole time. It's like, but I just want to fucking sleep. I don't care if I'm yeah. taking 10 times the dosage. Just let me sleep. Yeah, I relate to that too. And you know, I want to have a quick harm reduction corner here. Uh, oh, absolutely. I figured we'll need, we'll need a little warning. Again. I mean, I have abused like over the counter meds a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, fairly in my late 20s, even like stuff that mostly teenagers do. And I I go on a lot of subreddits uh, and it is mostly like, you know, really younger people that do this. And one of the common ways people overdose and die uh, or, you know, sustain major brain damage is because they take like four or whatever and then it doesn't hit and then they take more. And then certain meds like uh like benadryl for instance or nyquil like you take it and it fucks with your memory so you forget you what you've taken and so uh then you take more and people die that way so i just want to say like if anyone uses these meds like recreationally or if you take more than the recommended amount to sleep or whatever like Look at the warning labels, do some research, even on Reddit beforehand, maybe keep track. I had a friend who used a spreadsheet to like keep track mm-hmm. of how many pills mm-hmm. she took. Like, harm hey, reduction. Whatever you got to do, yeah. Okay, that's it. That's my spiel. No, that's that's totally fair. Okay, so, so we talked about her getting admitted and her therapist and all that. So, okay, back to when she meets the fellow patients. Yes. So you meet her roommate first. Who I love. Yeah, her name's Georgina. She's really sweet kind of innocent mm-hmm. and ever since i love everything that actress has done i love clea duvall a great actress very sweet um yes you do mm-hmm. find out that she is a pathological liar which she's not in the book oh what is she in the book i don't remember um i i it sounds in the book like she's another misdiagnosis she's diagnosed as schizophrenic basically just because she flipped out in a movie theater once and just started thinking like things aren't real or whatever. So like one episode and they're like, you're schizophrenic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. There's also Polly who's played by Elizabeth Moss. It, mm-hmm. I didn't realize she was that old. I mean, she's like 20 in this movie or something like that. How? She never ages. Yeah. Did you look up how old? Because no, I, I mean, didn't. She's played as being, you know, very young acting, but with all the makeup and stuff, I believe that she could have been like 16 playing that Elizabeth part. Elizabeth Moss never ages, and she owes it all yeah. to Scientology. <laughs> um, oh, dear. <laughs> no, not, I don't know if that's true. I, she is a Scientologist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so she set fire to herself in sixth grade. Because her parents, like, took away her puppy. I think she's in some sort of accident or, yeah, like, something happened where, like, she lit a fire and got caught in it. But I don't believe that story is actually true because that's right after Georgina says, I'm a pathological liar. I think she made up the reasoning of the fire story. Dude, I never thought about that. I did think it's interesting how you don't find out she's a pathological liar until after she's given Susanna the lowdown on all the patients. Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. So, yeah, who knows what happened. But, yeah, she did 
definitely, yeah, was in some accident where she's kind of set fire to herself. Yeah. And they call her Torch, of course. Oh, they're so mean to each other. I there's know. There's a lot of really mean people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Daisy. Speaking of mean. Yeah. <laughs> She, you think she might have an eating disorder, but you don't yeah. really get a lot of information on her right at that. She just sits in her doorway judging people. Yeah, she also has a sketchy relationship with her dad. Yeah. Who doesn't appear in the movie, but she has a, yeah. <laughs> There's the anorexic bitch. Uh, I, no, I wrote yep. uh, racist skinny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. What was her name? Janet? Janet, yeah. yeah. And she is one that is not like you don't know her today you know she didn't become oh, super actress? famous yeah or anything but i i made a note because there there's a few like that i mean that this hit at prime time that of course you know like they got someone i mean i'm sure they they helped like enhance it for the movie but i mean she looked damn skinny in that thing uh, so i remember like researching everything she was in afterwards of course you would <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, uh, her character says some very problematic things. <laughs> she does, though I feel like it's it's front-loaded in the beginning where she says things like, you are a terrible person, and then like she has her moments afterwards, but it's more like, yeah, I relate, you know, where she's like, why, why does everyone else get to fucking leave, and I think I'm normal, basically. I was like, I, I can relate to that one. <laughs> 74 is the perfect weight. <laughs> Yes. she literally said that that was i literally like my jaw dropped and she said that i was like all right all right she, they, i know they really like i just there. shook my head like oh, oh boy this is why you're still here <laughs> yeah it's kind of sad to see yourself in some of these yeah. characters or mm-hmm. but like are you the normal ones <laughs> that's what the movie wants you to think they want you to see yourself in these characters in fact the movie begins and ends with uh, Winona Ryder's character saying like have you ever been mm-hmm. blue you know have you ever told a lie have you ever stolen something when you had the cash like she begins and ends the movie having the listener or the viewer compare themselves to the quote-unquote insane characters and basically yes. doubling down on the fact that like you have yeah. done things that are kind of insane sometimes. And what is sane? Just because you maybe didn't have as like dramatic of consequences in response to the exact same thing you did. So people didn't notice and say, we got to put you away. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of the patients are women and all of them are white. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty typical for the time, I would say. Although that is something else different from the book. Really? Because, yeah, because I guess the guy, the the orderly, who Susanna kind of like has a little relationship with she later him. in the movie. Oh, well, yeah. But before then, you know, they're just kind of like flirty. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he is kind of more based on another male patient who was Georgina's boyfriend. Oh, okay. So, I mean, we know there's a men's ward. So yeah. you, you see them sneaking around and stuff. They probably have like... Oh, of course. You knew there was at least one nearby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't focus on that more, but I'm kind of glad they didn't because I liked having the focus just stay on the women for the majority of the mm-hmm. movie and not relationships. Yeah, I, I liked the little microcosm of the people we got to know. <laughs> um, there's moments when Susanna is getting admitted and throughout her first few days at the hospital where 
I, this is where I, I really appreciated the, the cinematography and the editing because she'll kind of flash back and forth between the present and like the past. And the way the camera mm-hmm. cuts to the past is very seamless. Like she'll hear a voice out of frame yeah. and, and suddenly you're in the past. Like it kind of happens without warning. And I really love the way they did that. And you kind yeah. of start to learn more things about Susanna through these flashbacks. Yeah, I know. I really did like like the first cut to the party. Where it's just suddenly like, oh, here she is. In yeah, the middle of this. <laughs> that's the party where her parents are showing her off and all her parents' friends are asking her, like, yeah. what are you doing? Where are you going? And then her, you know, her parents' friends are like, my She's daughter's like, I thought going I would here. just fuck this professor. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's hard to for me to decide at the beginning if she's trying to be rebellious or if she truly doesn't give a fuck you know like if if she's just depressed or if she's kind of rebelling against society yeah i felt more like the latter i felt like for the most part she just was just kind of like i'm not in it (laughs) yeah i mean for people like her there's not not a lot you can do other than act out (laughs) right i kind of related to that in high school like I didn't really have a lot of power over my situation. And so I just, you know, started attacking myself. And there's Mm -hmm. that's something that Valerie, the nurse, who is Whoopi Goldberg's amazing character, she says at the end of the movie, like, get your feelings out. Don't try. Don't let them kill you. Like, don't curl up with them. Yeah, I knew she had a good way of putting it. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But yeah, I think at the beginning, Susanna does have a lot of feelings inside that are like just killing her and she doesn't know how to get them out let's talk angelina jolie please (laughs) please 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 Uh, when do they meet her exactly she is in and out you know she runs away they find her they drag her back so you meet her coming back kicking and screaming and having a fit and that was one of my first days back inpatient in the ED unit. I remember, yeah, a girl just, I don't even know what started her off, but she was screaming. Oh, shit. And, well, they, they allowed certain people, I guess, refused to, like, acquiesce any other way. There was always a couple people that were allowed to eat their meals in the hallway. Weird. For everyone else. Yeah. So she, I know she was over there and I don't know what was going on, but yeah, she just started like screaming and freaking out and stuff like that. And apparently they gave her a shot of Haldol. What's that? It is a serious tranquilizer. Oh shit. So I guess some things haven't changed a lot. Yeah. It's like, I just remember her like wandering into the, the main area where there was couches and we were watching TV and she was just like, I don't feel good. Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's sort of what happens in Girl Interrupted. When we meet Lisa, uh, who is, of course, Angelina Jolie's character. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, she had previously escaped, I guess, and they had found her and they're dragging her back in and there's a whole scene. Mm -hmm. And at one point she notices Susanna who's new, of course, and Susanna has taken the bed of Jamie, who was Lisa's best friend, apparently. Yeah, and they never specifically say, but I get the idea that Jamie killed herself, and that's why she's oh, not Oh, they there say anymore. she did. Oh, I didn't think they did. Yeah, yeah, they say she did. Okay. So Lisa basically gets all up in Susanna's face, and she's like, what did you do? Where's Jamie? Yeah, and I love when she's like all angry and like flipping out about it, that Georgina's just like, she's cool, she smokes French cigarettes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite lines of all time <laughs> yeah she's cool she smokes french cigarettes but yeah valerie the nurse she always tells things like it is she's just like a lot of shit went down and you were gone like you've been gone for two weeks i think she said yeah it's just like that's life <laughs> yeah 
after they take Lisa away, that's when Georgina tells Susanna that Jamie got really sad when Lisa left, so she hung herself. Oh, yeah, she does say but that. But also, okay, yeah. now that you said that about Georgina, maybe she was lying about that, too. Who knows? <gasps> oh. Uh-huh. So, true. yeah, there's a lot of drama <laughs> in place before Susanna even gets there. So I have a lot of feelings on Angelina Jolie and the character of Lisa and how it's played and how it's shown. It's just, it's a big mixture of good and bad. Please, <laughs> let's get into that, because her character, like, she, this was... One of her first major roles, and she absolutely knocks it out of the park. Like, she's yeah. amazing. I can't remember if she was nominated or won an award for it. Yeah. I think she won. Yeah. We didn't really do but, that kind of research before. <laughs> no, but it, but it showed up a lot, you know, when I was looking at other things. Like, mm-hmm. it was either, yeah, like her Oscar winning or Oscar-nominated performance, something like that. First of all, this is like the main thing that I remembered from reading the book before, is that Lisa is too fucking pretty in this movie. She's almost uncomfortably beautiful because they describe her in the book as having like really bad skin and always like chapped dry lips and fried hair which is about the only thing that they got right but i just i just kind of felt watching it that i was just like oh we we can make somebody you know like elizabeth moss ugly but we 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 can't really ugly up angelina jolie too much yeah i mean she's she's just like it wasn't her i was annoyed at the people doing the movie of course i felt like that was their choice they're like she's she's a main focus so we can't we got to keep her kind of pretty but she's not just pretty she is very sexualized and it's distracting yeah and that was another thing when i was looking up stuff i just caught a sentence of a review that was just like all right, how many times do we have to see Angelina Jolie's perfectly arched eyebrows <laughs> and questioning face? I was like, I can see that look. Don't get me wrong. I appreciated it a lot. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, of course, it's okay. Like, show characters whoever you want. Like, you can be gorgeous. You can be sexual. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole other theme to this movie of, like, women getting labeled mentally ill who like to have yeah. sex. And so she is a sexual person. It's not that that bothers me it's just it has a very like male gazy way exactly that's what i realized is the way the camera portrays her for me it's i i don't blame her i think you know her her nomination or win or whatever it was was well deserved i think her acting was great i think her delivery is why there are some of the best lines in the movie mm-hmm. but i didn't like yeah whoever was making it i didn't like how they made sure like only this focus is on her and we make sure she's here and doing this and portrayed this way <laughs> again 1999 yeah I, I, I felt like in the performance, that's what I was realizing is I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, her line delivery is perfect. Like one of my favorite things is when she has her little cat puppet and I could just always hear her going, do we have a problem? Is there a problem? Nope. No problem. I love the cat puppet so much. <laughs> I was like, that makes me laugh so much every time. She's very charismatic among all mm-hmm. the patients. Like she, they are absolutely under her spell. She kind of bullies them and says the meanest shit to them, but then g- turns around and, you know, cheers them up and paints their nails and makes voices with the cat puppet to cheer them up. Yeah. That's just another reason why I was just kind of like, I don't really think she's a sociopath because she shows that she cares too much. Or maybe those are like she's learned how to have the appearance of caring by observing yeah. other people. I don't know. I don't know a lot about that diagnosis. I mean, it's basically, it's what serial killers are. It's basically not having a conscience. Like not and having not, an like, emotion. Not having a soul, basically, <laughs> if you want to use that word. She would fit under something that's more, you know, like, obviously, like, erratic behavior and things like that. Like I said, she, she shows that she actually cares about people sometimes, so. 
I do think it was a misdiagnosis. Well, I, who knows? Again, like it was the 60s. They were women. Mm-hmm. That was like part of the point of the original book saying like we were just being labeled left and right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Then I, then I wasn't as, as mad at the fact that they called her a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Just like spellbinding performance, spellbinding character. But also you get the sense that a lot of people are terrified of her. Yeah, she's she's clearly made herself the leader strongly. <laughs> like she is she is ruling. When does she become friends with Susanna? I, I think that that's kind of like where it starts. Where, oh, you know, the like scene with Daisy. Her, the scene with Daisy. Where she shows her tonguing the meds. And yeah, and then so Susanna does the same thing. And she's mm-hmm. like, way to go. And yeah, and then she goes and offers them to Daisy. Oh my God. I have so much I want to talk about right now. Did you ever <laughs> have that in treatment where people like traded meds and stuff? Not trading, but I did definitely do the, you know, like, okay, I'm going to pretend to swallow. Hee hee. And take it out. Damn, I wasn't sure if that was something like people actively did still because I feel like that's one trope in all of the psych ward mm-hmm. movies. But I never knew anyone who actually did it. I, I don't I didn't know anyone that traded meds, but yeah, like I said, if I decided like, you know what, I don't agree with them giving me this one, then you know they give it at night and I'd be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I take it out, slip it in my pocket, okay. <laughs> oh my god. I thought I was badass for stealing like a little nail file. <laughs> to file my nails with. I did love, I remember the time, a friend of mine got me, I think as part of, you know, like a little like artistic thing. I think it was actually supposed to be for like colored pencils or something, but it worked for eye pencils. Mm -hmm. But it was a pencil sharpener, but it was inside this kind of tube. So it actually almost looked like it was a highlighter or something if you didn't open it up. So that's what I remember as I got away with having a pencil sharpener. That's just because I wanted to keep my eye pencils sharp all the time without having to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if they found that, you'd been in big trouble. I know. <laughs> I had an eyelash like curler for a few days, then they found it and told me I wasn't allowed to have it. I was like, oh, I just want to try to look cute. Which Angelina Jolie's bangs in this movie. Oh my God. What is up with those? They're so choppy <laughs> and short and crazy, I for know. lack of a better word. But I, dude, when I went to treatment last year, I was growing out baby bangs. And so I can 100% relate to that. Like, I appreciate Aww. it. I feel like everyone has bad hair in treatment. Yeah. Plus, I could see that being a thing, you know, if like she's in and out. If you escape, what do you want to do? You want to do something crazy. I'm just like, I'm going to chop bangs. Oh, like, yeah. She just did it. <laughs> I wonder if she was a Gemini. Who knows? <laughs> so Susanna has this encounter with Daisy. Can we talk about the whole laxative thing? Of course we can. <laughs> you first notice Daisy yelling at the nurses, screaming at them because she wants Cole. Or she wants X-Lax. Yeah. So in case you didn't know what Colace was, which I didn't at that time, you get the idea, okay, it's another laxative. Yeah, she's like sobbing, begging the nurses for laxatives, which Mm -hmm. I've been there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Susanna is like, hey, I just had laxatives that I took out before swallowing. She's like, I have something you want. (laughs) And she's going to give them to her like for free, essentially. And then Lisa barges into the room and she's like, yeah, she's basically like, you don't get nothing for free. What have you been saving? (laughs) Yeah, she calls Daisy out on her bullshit, essentially, while doing her own bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, not not to get ahead of this, but did you see this as a really like lopsided deal? Well, that's the point. Yeah, Susanna has pills for Daisy. Lisa knows that Daisy has pills and she says, you know, like you you Valium. can't just take it for free. Yeah, so so you think that they should share, but instead, they put him on the bed. Daisy grabs Susanna's and Lisa grabs Daisy's and swallows them. Yeah, they're like, pleasure doing business with you. Yeah, it's just like Susanna, you can't let her get that for free. You have to let me get them for free. Exactly. <laughs> 
and that's her first taste of like the the ward politics yeah that was kind of her test you know that's kind of like what you see in like prison movies you see like oh you didn't snitch or something like that so after that then she's part of the gang it feels like (laughs) exactly so yeah they sneak out one night to like go to the mm-hmm. therapist this might be getting ahead a little bit i don't really have a structure by the way let me go back because i wrote down somewhere um yeah there was there was three like very major points in the movie that i guess people have always noted like absolutely were made up didn't happen in the book and two of them were the sneaking out because first there was the sneaking out and they all go bowling yeah and yeah. I thought that was so unbelievable. And then at one point, Lisa yells at Georgina for turning a light on, and then oh, she goes yeah. and turns on all the lamps. It's I, I couldn't believe for a moment that that could happen, even in the 60s. My problem watching it this time was that they all sneak out after you know they get their, their nightly checks, but they've already established that these happen every 15 minutes. Yeah. They, she's so, like, oh, we can go because so-and-so is on a smoke break. How long is her fucking yeah. smoke break? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd, t- I'd take one for two hours if I could. <laughs> well, good thing you're not in charge of a psych ward full of crazy yes, but, women. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, the totally made up things were the bowling, the getting to read their files, and, you know, this will be discussed later, the fact that Lisa and Susanna run away. Like I said, I barely remember any of the book. I, I brushed up on it a little bit before this, but yeah, the movie, of course, it's a movie. You have to have the dramatic moments, like... Yeah, even though it was made up, I felt like some of these things needed to be in there to make it less boring, so I did feel yeah. like the them reading their diagnoses was really powerful. Oh, I was glad yeah. that was in there. I yeah. would have 100% done that. Mm-hmm. Although, I don't know, it was kind of fucked up that they, like, read each other's. I don't know. Yeah, would you do but that? I, we, we not, not necessarily, but I also liked it there to lighten the mood. Because, yeah, oh, I mean, totally. You, you, can, you can tell it's really heavy. Everyone's reading what's been said about them. And basically, you're reading on paper someone saying hey, this is why you're fucked up, just so you know. So I feel like, yeah, I'm sure it was probably Lisa. Whoever said it maybe even, like, did that to, like, lighten the mood. It's just like, hey, can I see yours? I'll show you mine. <laughs> uh, when the the lesbian character, Cynthia, love her, by the way. I feel like I would be her friend. <laughs> Me too. She's the only one that <laughs> knew how to bowl, first of all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, her quote, I think it's her that says, uh, Lisa thinks she's hot shit because she's a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's such a good quote. <laughs> throughout the movie there's a lot of digs at the, the habit of some people who are mentally ill to like just kind of obsess over their diagnosis and make it their whole mm-hmm. identity and just yeah like, I, I definitely fall into that trap a lot of times and the fact that someone's like Agreed. you know you're not hot shit like everyone's yeah. like well lisa's <laughs> something else which we'll talk about still just saying like you don't get to push everything off on like well i have this yeah which kind of I don't know. I think it's one of her coping mechanisms is just like hiding behind mm-hmm. the the shell of her diagnosis. Because at the end, it is revealed she kind of maybe has a heart. <laughs> um, but we get ahead of ourselves. I feel like, yeah, we should move on to like some later bigger events. Because again, this was a really fucking long movie. We can't I know. But, but one thing I did want to be sure to hit on, because this also was familiar to me, is when you see them all around the television because Martin Luther King was shot. Yeah. And that just made me think of like the times where you are, you are put away, away from the world, mm-hmm. and the world goes on. And sometimes it, it's almost like you, you don't even, you miss it. Dude, the, the inauguration happened when I was in treatment and COVID was happening. Yeah. Like all this stuff. It was really scary. My first time. So this would have been December 
2015 or January 2016 if you if this helps you remember what this was because I to this day have no clue but there was something going on in like the Pacific Northwest I want to say it was like a hostage situation shooting or something like that but if I'd been out you know it was on the news all the time and it was a big deal but instead it was like Six or seven months later, after I'm out, I've been making some uh, reference to this like major event that happened, and I'm like, "Huh?" Like, <laughs> yeah, it completely bypassed me because I was not, yeah. <laughs> well, you're kind of shut away from the world, and that's exactly what, what some people need. But also, adjusting back to real life is really hard. Yeah, like the best friend that I made there, her her parents were professors, and they had taught overseas at different points. So she actually like lived in France for a while and was fluent in French and everything. And there was that nightclub that got like shot up in France. Oh, shit. So that happened and she heard and I mean, that was I know it was like a major thing for her to deal with because she's just like, I'm here. I have friends, you know, there I have friends that go out and could have been there and I there's nothing I can do (laughs) and not only is she in treatment but she's in another country Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. it was so hard to coordinate even with the internet and zoom and everything it was really hard to coordinate phone calls with all the people I loved like and I I can't even imagine if I was in another country like there was a woman from Japan actually who was in treatment with me the reason she was in America in Washington was because they just don't really have treatment over there Mm -hmm. and Okay, yeah. Her husband, like, was working here, I guess. So, you know, she didn't speak a lot of English, and so there were a lot of barriers with that. But she was trying mm-hmm. really hard, and, like, I have a little card she made me. It's really cute. <laughs> Shout out to Mana if you're listening to this. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking about? We've, we've hit about, like, the first half of my notes, and the second page pretty much starts out after Lisa and Susanna would have escaped. Okay, so what happens in between them reading their case files and bowling and escaping? Because Lisa and Susanna do eventually escape the ward together. It's kind of like the climax, most dramatic point of the movie. There's kind of like two climaxes. I feel like that was the first one. But a lot of stuff happens between them. They go to the ice cream parlor, the whole ward Mm -hmm. together. I guess everyone who has the privileges... Oh, yeah. I do have a note from that, which is simply Janet walking on the fucking snow. Like Legolas? (laughs) Dude, I wrote that too. Oh, my God. I wrote Janet walking on snow, anorexic Legolas. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then Susanna's past life kind of bleeds into her life in the psych ward in a memorable scene. They all go to the ice cream parlor and the the professor's wife and his daughter, who is around her age and looks, you know, like the super successful person that her parents probably wanted her to be. At the party, her mom, (laughs) in a flashback, you see her mom bragging about where where her daughter is going to school. And so then you actually see her at the ice cream parlor. Yeah, so that's why she's like, so how's, was it Wellesley or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, she gets the college wrong. She's like, actually, it's Wellesley. I'm studying the arts. I'm going to France. Uh And the the mom, total Karen, by the way, she's Uh just like, I know. She gets all up in Susanna's face. She's clearly found out about this affair. She's like, I know what you. You did and you know i think they should put you away forever oh, yeah such bullshit oh, all her psych ward friends come to her aid they start like 
barking. Barking and making crazy <laughs> noises. And Angelina Jolie, like, jabs her finger at the Karen. And she's like, don't fucking point your finger at crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, another one of her fantastic delivered lines, even though yeah. even though the movie itself sometimes annoyed me with her character. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was, that was a great moment. I think you really see that Susanna is mm-hmm. starting to accept that maybe she doesn't belong with normal people and that like these people feel more yeah. like familiar to her. They got her back. They got her back. I mean, that's a big thing. I yeah. mean, when else do you see her like laughing? Right. You don't see her with friends. You know, well, you, you see her with a lot of dudes. You see her kind of with a boyfriend. Can we or... talk about Jared Leto? Of course. I fucking hate <laughs> I him. I would be upset if we didn't. Me too. He's a <laughs> dick. Yeah. So in one of the flashbacks, right after the high school graduation, she's dancing at a party and this dude with a very bad mustache walks up to her and it's Jared Leto. <laughs> it's Jared Leto. <laughs> I don't know if I have any notes about this. I don't feel like any of his scenes were that memorable. The suicide talk. Oh, when he's like, it's stupid. Yeah, they're lying in bed together smoking cigarettes and they're talking about suicide and he's like, of course I've thought about it. Like Everyone's thought about it. But yeah, why would you act on that? It's it's stupid. Don't think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, or actually I think he even, like he just tries to brush it off after that and she wants to continue talking and he's, I think what he actually is trying to stop the conversation. And she's like, why, why don't you want to talk about this? He's like, because it's stupid. Doesn't he say like, you know, I could get drafted. There's bigger problems. Oh, yeah. Right before storming off, she's like, when's her birthday? He's like, December 30th. Yes, and then you see it announced. (laughs) Yeah, later on in the movie, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. he gets drafted and she finds out on TV. She's like, oh, shit, someone I know just got drafted. His name's Toby. Oh, my God, I know. Even worse. Also funny that he makes, like, such a dramatic deal out of, like, I could get drafted, where apparently it's not a big deal because he just plans to run away to Canada and avoid the draft. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine going through that. Like, what a time to oh, be no. alive. No, um, no, But also, he's kind of invalidating But basically, I don't like his character, so I just want to be like, yeah, he just chooses any way out that he can. Yeah. So she gets along a lot better with the people at the, at the hospital. Yeah. It's a vast <laughs> improvement. Uh, except Lisa is kind of a bad influence, ultimately. Yeah. Well, we have we have to talk about Daisy again. Let's go so we can move it along. Let, let's go to them running away because I'm sure lots of Daisy backstory will come in because she is very focused. In this. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, why, why did they run away again? I forgot. I mean, I know Lisa has a reason to run away. Oh, isn't that where she starts like kind of calling her Jamie and you see she's a little unhinged? So first of all, Susanna's recovery, as the doctors call it, starts to plateau. Mm-hmm. She's having fun with the mm-hmm. patients. She's really getting close to Lisa, but she's kind of neglecting her own journey. Like the whole reason she's yeah. there in the first place. And like she sneaks out and stuff and they find out people are trading meds. I don't really remember exactly what they know or they don't know, but they know that she's been misbehaving. They know Lisa has a track record of being a bad yeah. influence. It is when they run away that she starts to kind of like spaz out because i just remembered why they do because of what led to it oh what led to it i'm gonna try and say it really fast because again we've got so much to talk about i know it's polly is very upset it's kind of like she just realized you know that nobody is going to like her with her burnt up face and so she kind of put gets put in like a solitary room and again showing that as much of a bitch as she can be lisa does have a heart at some point Mm -hmm. so her and susanna know that polly really loves music So they sneak some instruments out late at night and 
it Lisa very unrealistically slips a sleeping pill in a sleeping nurse's mouth yeah, so that she like, won't wake up. A yeah. lot one thing that bothered me about this movie is that no one uses water to take their pills. People are always swallowing dry pills and like she literally puts mm-hmm. crumbled up pill powder in the nurse's mouth. That that was very um So they drug a fucking nurse. Very unbelievable. Yes. But but then, you know, so they do that so that they can have the music. They can, you know, Polly is just sitting in there crying and they can sit outside her room and they can play music to, you know, make her like calm down and feel a little better. But in the meantime, Susanna's orderly boy comes over and Joe you know, or John. I John. don't even remember. And, you know, half-heartedly tries to get them to stop, but instead they fuck. Yeah. (laughs) And then they kind of get caught in the morning. Oh, this is the tub scene. Yes, which I believe is where I have um, my favorite Valerie quote, because I know I just wrote the quote down, you can change the scenery, but not the situation. Yeah, it's so true. Valerie is just a fount of wisdom. But Mm -hmm. so she comes in and the nurse is drugged and, you know, everyone's lying around on the floor. She's like, I have had enough of your bullshit to Susanna. And so after yeah. that moment, Susanna decides to start taking a bunch of these sleeping pills that she has hoarded and she gets all dopey and misses hours and hours and Valerie mm-hmm. walks into the room and she's like, you got to get up and, you know, come join the group. And Susanna's just like, I think I'm going to rest she's for like, a while. No. Yeah. Which I can relate to that completely. Yeah. And then Valerie <laughs> picks her up, takes her to the bathroom, dunks her in the tub and... Susanna just starts flipping the fuck off. Which I think was part of the point, though, on Valerie's part. It's like, hey, you know, you don't get to just, like, coast through life in a fog. Like, here, feel a feeling. I don't care if it's anger. (laughs) She's basically like, you're a lazy, spoiled girl. You don't want to do the work. And Susanna's response is to to parrot back some, like, really racist, insulting things she's heard other patients say. Like, I think Mm -hmm. Janet was the one at the beginning of the movie who was, like... Singing the song. Yeah, yeah, very... It's terrible. some kind of, yeah, like, plantation worker song. Yeah, and so... And Susanna starts saying, like, you're not a doctor. You just go to night school. And, you know, Valerie just takes it quietly. And then she says, like, you're just missing the point entirely. Like, you, you can't see what's right in front of you. You know, it's basically Whoopi Goldberg starring as Truth Bombs in this movie. (laughs) And so that same night after that scene, that's when they play the music and they fuck the orderly. No, 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 no. That's when Lisa comes to steal her away. Yeah, because I say Susanna got in trouble for that. And, you know, you see her like talking to like her team and they're all like really upset and everything. But Lisa just gets like shut up in a solitary room. They give her shock treatments, you find out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. So, so obviously that is when she starts, yeah, to like confuse who she is and things because she's been shocked. Yeah. So <laughs> she shows up at Susanna's room in the middle of the night and she's like, you still want to go to Florida? Because they had talked earlier in the movie about moving to Disneyland. Yeah, they talked about working at Disneyland. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Disney's mm-hmm. new theme park. And so they they break out, which... I can't imagine it would have been that easy. No, but at the same time, we we talked about how like them sneaking out at night and things like that were not really logically could have happened. Right. But it also reminded me again of different treatment times. And I was like, there was times when I snuck out. So we just (laughs) need to make a movie about your treatment experience is what you're saying. At night at the right time and stuff like that. If I had wanted to leave, I mean, I definitely like walked out of the facility at night a few times. It wasn't to leave. It was just, you know, 
Yeah. You didn't have like the double locking doors and stuff? No. I had a friend. She was, their their PHP house was next door basically. And so the, the PHP house was different because they aren't staffed overnight. So, you know, it is easier, but still, you know, she got moved to PHP before a lot of us and she had a lot of friends still in the residential house. So she would just uh, sneak out at night and walk through a path in the woods and show up at, <laughs> at the, there's kind of like a walkout basement and she'd like show up down at that door. She'd let us know when she's coming and we'd all go down there and wait for her and then we'd hang I'm out outside. Very confused. The more I learn about other people's <laughs> treatment experiences, the more I'm convinced that there's just no regulation whatsoever. No. Uh, but that's different. a different episode. So this so this tr- hospital is apparently v- easier to break out of or as easy. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like that's that's part of like the time. Like yeah, I'm sure of they course. they were they were making like every precaution they could not to let that happen, but I bet it was easier than like whatever is locking doors in 2020. So they get out and <laughs> catch a, in. they bum a ride off a van full of hippies. Yep. They go to the apartment and party with them. That I felt like was kind of unnecessary. Well, she stole a guy's wallet. The whole reason they did it was so they could steal money to get to Daisy. Because yeah. Daisy is the girl who got the laxatives and you find out that she has left to go live in an apartment that her father had bought her. Her daddy bought her an apartment. Yeah, um, and we'll talk about her relationship with her dad later, but they found her address, so that's where they're headed. So they steal the hippie's wallet, and Lisa does this by uh, acting like she's going to fuck him. And while she's in the room with him, (laughs) Susanna has a conversation with the other hippie that I love. Yeah. He's like, are you crazy? Yeah. Do you see purple Do you people? See purple people. <laughs> She's like, no. He's like, I had a friend who saw purple people. He was in an institution yeah. for a while, but they let him out. She's like, oh, nice. Is he better? And he's like, no. He still sees them. He still sees purple people. <laughs> That was such a great, a great little palate cleanser. They show up at Daisy's house because my very first note on this section with three exclamation points is her cat is Ruby. I know. I have you have to be so thing. excited about that. Yes. yes, this beautiful little cat runs up and she's mm-hmm. like, that's Ruby. My dad bought him for me. I was like, yes, Ruby, the cat is a great character. I might have almost screamed when she said Ruby. I was Same. Like, ah! Yeah, it was great. Um, so yeah, they go to her apartment and we didn't talk about the chicken thing. Yeah. When they first get there, she is surprisingly very nice. Like, in comparison to the rest of her character that we've seen. She comes across as very guarded to me because she's not doing mentally well at all. Like, that's clear. And she she knows, like, Lisa has hurt her in the past. She knows these are some people that she needs to be cautious of. Maybe it's because she doesn't have, like, the people in the facility that can protect her from everything. Because I was gonna say the same thing goes on there except she just responds as like fuck you get away yeah and here where she feels yeah kind of like uncertain then she's just suddenly becomes yeah like very 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 sweet so all you know about her so far is that her dad is the only one who visits her at the hospital he brings her a a full rotisserie chicken every Mm -hmm. time he sees her and she that's all she eats like she refuses to eat in the cafeteria she only eats them in her room because she compares eating to taking a dump you don't want someone to watch you she's like yeah i don't want to take a dump in a room with a m- bunch of other people and yeah. lisa's just like that's <laughs> fucked up daisy yes <laughs> the, the best quote of the movie <laughs> That, yeah, that is fucked up, Daisy. Uh, a lot about Daisy is fucked up, and it's uh-huh. it's very tragic. Like, she would be someone that I think 
would be diagnosed probably as bulimic. Oh, totally. She's got bulimic vibes. Yeah, but there's clearly like so much more behind it. Yeah. It's more because of, yeah, like the controlling father and the possibly incestuous relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Almost almost certainly incestuous relationship. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> heavily hinted at abuse mm-hmm. going on. And it's just really sad. Like she's just coping. Like we did the coping mechanism episode last week. Like people cope however they can in the moment. Like she, she is a person who probably didn't have a lot of options and she ended up in the hospital but like she can't get away from her dad that's the most like creepy thing i found of the whole situation was that he was still visiting her and like probably no one knew what was going on right this probably was just like oh look it's a nice concerned parent coming to see her he's enabling her he's (laughs) bringing her the fucking chickens and then he buys her an apartment which ultimately proves to be like her downfall she didn't need to be by herself she needed to stay in treatment and she claims yeah that she can only eat her dad's chicken anything else makes her throw up yeah and it's very gross and like they make fun of her for being gross yeah and the way i think of it is probably her eating that chicken feels like the only thing that she can do to like make him respect her or feel close to her or love her or Or anything like that she's trying to feel close to him yeah it's kind of like look look i'll eat your food so that i'm i'm being a good girl yeah it's terrible people could probably write papers on the meaning behind she's definitely i think the most tragic character in that movie for sure and you know Brittany murphy too just like a tragic actress so like this her performance hit me really hard because mm-hmm. she has this scene when Lisa and Susanna are crashing with her. She gets in this conversation with Lisa, and I don't really know how it begins. She offers them money to get groceries in the morning, and Lisa's like, I, yeah. we don't want your daddy's money. And then Lisa decides to just go off the deep end and be a total instigator. Mm-hmm. And... Calling her out on her bullshit, yeah, but in the most cruel doing. way. <laughs> yeah. Basically calling her out for, like, not addressing the underlying things that are making her quote-unquote crazy, and she's just covering it up Mm -hmm. with her cute apartment and her, you know, her daddy's money. And the reason that I think Daisy is bearing this is because she wants Valium. Like, she's trying to get Valium from Lisa. And then Lisa doesn't give it to her before just completely destroying her. Which, not to spoil what we're going to talk about in, you know, two minutes from now, but <laughs> but I, I kind of wondered if, like, she wanted the Valium, like, at, like if that was her first thought of how she would kill herself. Yeah, um, she ends up killing herself. It's very sad. She, like, she... Hangs herself. She hangs herself, but she also has, like, bloody wrists and, like, the yeah. Valium. So it sounds like she was just throwing everything at the wall, hoping something would stick. Which yeah. is very sad. Very sad. We should talk about the self-harm part, because yeah. I thought it was interesting like at one point lisa grabs daisy's arm and she's like it reveals all these cuts and she's like you're not fine you're doing this yeah. like obviously you're not okay and and then uh daisy's like you should have you looked at your own arm and lisa's like at least right. i know who i am <laughs> like i'm not pretending and that's True. when that yeah. whole conversation starts I, I i didn't love how the movie handled it just like showing everything but also like it was 99 when it was made and at least yeah i don't know i there was a time when i was triggered by that kind of stuff now i'm glad they're sh- like i'm glad they're talking about it at least yeah because i know like in today's stuff i do almost feel like we've almost gone like 180 that is just kind of like oh you can't show anything that might trigger somebody we have to protect the world yeah so i liked a a little realism that Mm -hmm. it's like you know if someone gets pushed to a dark place that's what happens yeah it's kind of 
crazy that this was made when it was made if you think about it yeah i have a note here about this scene that i don't know that ever even crossed my mind but it just like glared at me this time which is um so yeah after they they find that daisy hung herself then lisa grabs the her money and leaves and susanna stays behind to you know actually like call the cops and get this taken care of right but i have this note that is dr george bluth um i think his name is i have his name is melvin melvin yeah the therapist is melvin i have like triple starred just because of the look that he was giving and the way he was reacting when he showed up there i was like i thought that was her dad i said what are they insinuating about how upset he is about daisy see i thought the dude that showed up when her body was it's him it's it's him it's melvin Yes. (gasps) Okay, that changes everything. And that's where I was really just like, oh my gosh, this poor girl. I mean, Lisa made a lot of jokes about, like, Melvin and his dick and, like, his wife at home. Like, do you think he was fucking Daisy? That's what I wondered. And I was just like, yeah, this this poor girl, especially if he's treating her, then he probably knows, like, how her dad has acted to her. and And that she lets it happen. And well, he take advantage the system of that. lets it happen. Oh, like God, they all are turning horrible. a blind eye. Yeah. <gasps> that uh-huh. ma- oh, that makes it even more sinister. And like, it's so gross. Oh, yeah, I never no. noticed that till this time. I Ew. know. <laughs> like, just in case she wasn't the most tragic character, this makes it even worse. Well, that's interesting because I thought that that was her dad, and that was the only time he showed up in the whole movie. So now the fact that he just never shows up in the whole movie. <laughs> I had one more note before we move on. Mm-hmm. So Lisa's reaction to Daisy's suicide. I wanted to talk about it because, as we mentioned earlier, Lisa's best friend at the hospital had died by suicide, supposedly, right Which before. they say by hanging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And her reaction to that suicide was just, like, disbelief, rage, Mm -hmm. you know, you would guess sadness. Yeah. So by the time we get around to Daisy's suicide and Lisa just doesn't even react to it, she takes her money, like you said, and just leaves. And Susanna is like, what the fuck? How can you do this? And she's like, don't be dumb. And then she just leaves. Yeah. I think it was interesting how that attitude was like a coping mechanism, like as a result to what happened with Jamie. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Just the difference between her two reactions. I mean, Jamie was also closer to her than than Daisy, yeah. which also suggests that like if you diss her or like if she doesn't like you, then like she doesn't give a shit. Like you could live and die and she doesn't care. That would be very fitting that like if she sees that and that image brings up, you know, like a terrible reminder for her of her friend, then with Lisa's character, I could see her reaction to like having this terrible image just being like, well, fuck that. Gotta move on. Yeah. Life is still happening. Yeah. I mean, we all deal with fucked up shit like that in our own way, right? Like Susanna's first mm-hmm. reaction to seeing Daisy's body was sobbing and collapsing and calling the ambulance. And Lisa's is yeah. just to like sit there and joke about it, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, that, that totally us. feels, yeah, like a front or like a mask. <laughs> Totally. And you're right. It probably is not so much worried about Daisy, but it probably is, yeah, like remembering her friend. So Susanna stays while they get Daisy's body. She takes Ruby, the cat. That's one of my next notes. must have been like right at the end of that scene. I was like, but can she keep the cat? (laughs) I was like, yay, she can. So she goes back to the hospital. Everyone welcomes her with open arms. And there's this Mm -hmm. scene where she is bringing the cat into the hospital. And then I thought it was Daisy's dad, but I guess it's Melvin. He, all he says is we should send someone for a litter box. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, your daughter just hung herself and all you can say is like, we should send someone for a litter box. I guess not, if it was Melvin. Not, not his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Melvin, that's even worse. You don't want to like address all the, the rest of the ward and say something about what happened. Like they're going to talk about it. It's, that's the kind of thing I think mm-hmm. you want to get control over. But instead you're like, oh, someone's in for a litter box. I don't I don't know why. That just really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. I guess I was just too happy that she got to keep the cat. I didn't really Yeah. I, I was very happy and jealous that she got to keep the cat in treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes the star of the ward. All the girls want to play with it. Yeah. Ba- back to relating to my own experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that reminds me that the, the second time that I had to go to residential i had gotten pico in the meantime and that's where like i had a friend that was going to watch him and then at the last second said like oh i think that would be like too much of a hassle and i can't really do it and literally had like three days before i left oh my god so like the place i went they're only supposed to allow an animal obviously if it's a service animal but we got him registered as an emotional support (gasps) animal and because of my very unique situation they're like okay we will make an exception for this you're so, yeah, kidding I, me. I got to have Pico and he was like the rock star of the I, <laughs> entire place. You need to make a movie about your <laughs> life. Like, I'm sorry. I, I can't believe you got to bring Pico in treatment. That's like my dream. Oh, God, it was the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, We need to hurry along, though, because this is... I know. I know. We need to get to your palate cleanser still. Because it's going to take a little time and it's amazing. So, okay. Luckily, after this, I felt like all the in-between until the very end was just kind of nothing. It was just yeah. kind of like... It felt like a really like, oh, let's wrap this up cute. Look, Susanna is participating in therapy. She's doing better. Hooray. She's getting out. I actually thought the movie was about to end like 30 minutes before it actually ended. And so the whole time I was like, when is this going to end? Because, you know, they do show her getting better and writing again and all this stuff. And they're like, all right, wrap it up now. And then Lisa returns Mm-hmm. Just when Susanna is about to get out and it kind of, it's kind of jarring. She's upset with her now. They're not friends anymore. Yeah. They put her in solitary confinement and Susanna goes up and she's like, Hey, just wanted to say hi. Cause it's been a while. And Lisa has, you know, they gave her shock treatment again, I guess. Cause she's got the mm-hmm. crazy eyes and you like yep. you said earlier, she starts calling her Jamie or that happened yep. before. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of acting unhinged. Yeah. And then right before saying goodnight, she says, oh, you know, by the way, I'm getting out tomorrow. And then something kind of changes in Lisa's eyes. She mm-hmm. just says in a really cold, detached way, like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and that night, the nurse gives Susanna some sleeping meds because she's like, the last night is really long. It's You're going to need your rest. Little mm-hmm. does she know what's about to go down. Yep. Another sneak out. Which Susanna wakes up to. But things are very different than the last time they sneaked out. There's no bowling this time. No, it is a dramatic reading of Susanna's diary by Lisa. (laughs) Yep. And this whole recovery sequence, you see Susanna writing like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it turns out she didn't write so many nice things about her fellow patients. Well, a lot of times when you're writing, I feel like some of it is the raw feelings that you have because you can write them just for yourself. Yeah, it's her journal. Just so you know, and I I would love to like delve into this much more later. My mom read my journal two or three times that I can think of. What? Yeah. How old were you? Teenager a couple times. And once I had already moved to Chicago, so I had to be like 28. Holy shit. Yeah. That... Oh, we do need to talk about that later. 
we're not just gonna yeah. let that fly but but I just remember like the first time like she was really upset about something that I wrote and thinking like based on what I wrote you know she clearly thought like I was going to like hurt myself or have some sort of I don't know get in trouble somehow we're with all the law, dramatic who knows what. in our diaries yeah. And, and yeah, that was the thing is it was just kind of like, I don't remember if I told her at the moment because I was like, just so angry, of course, but that's what I was like, just because I write something down doesn't mean it's like 100% true going to happen. Everything that I believe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the gist of what she wrote was just like analyzing all her fellow patients and then saying like, I've learned so much here and I'm doing so well, just kind of painting herself as like a brave recovered person, I guess. A brave little toaster. <laughs> a brave little toaster. Yeah, exactly, Lauren. And so Lisa turns everyone against her and goes after her, like first of all with words, but then she physically goes after her and she's holding a syringe. Yeah, I didn't get that. Like, what's she going to do? Well, you think she's going to hurt Susanna, but then this is when you feel like she really starts cracking. She starts saying like, I, I know how to push everyone else's buttons, but sometimes I just wish someone would push my button. Like, why doesn't anyone tell me the things about me that I need to hear? Mm -hmm. And then Susanna just kind of lets her have it. She's like, you're <laughs> dead inside. Uh, no one would care if you died because you died a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I don't think she should have said those things, but, but it obviously has enough effect because Lisa just breaks down and acts like she's going to shoot herself up with this overdose yeah. level. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then Georgina and uh, Polly are in the background. Polly is holding Ruby the entire time. I know. It's so cute. <laughs> I know. And they're like, don't do it. And so Lisa ends up just dropping the syringe and right. breaking down. And Yeah, it's a big dramatic moment. Yeah. So then she goes back to solitary. Susanna gets out. Oh, but first there's a scene where... Paints her nails. Yeah, she yeah. goes to visit Lisa in... She's tied down to the bed and she paints her nails and Lisa has that line, like, I'm not really dead. And then yeah. Susanna says, mm -hmm. I know. And that's kind of it. Yeah. The final voiceover is again, Susanna just saying, like, we're all a little crazy. Like, I'll always remember the time there. Some of the people I saw again, some of them I never uh -huh. saw again, but they yeah. are always in my heart. Yes. I didn't really like that line that she ended no, it with. No, I have very mixed feelings about the whole end. I, I just wrote some notes about, like, what's up with the weird made-up climax for the ending? Yeah, well, so that's basically the summary. So before we move to the palate cleanser, I know I, we're not really rushing. I know it seems like we're rushing, but, like, we just want to talk about everything. So this might be a long one yeah it's gonna be is. a long one <laughs> one of the big t t takeaways that i've noticed not just with this movie but with movies about like psych wards in particular there's always mm -hmm. a tragedy it always yes. ends in tragedy like someone dies or something really traumatic happens and then the character grows from it and then they walk away and that's it yeah real life is not like that at all no. i mean in very rarely in a way i guess that makes me feel a little better about their how they treated that ending scene because when I was looking up stuff to compare the book, I saw, you know, like I came across some reviews and I would read like little sentences and that was one of them said like, I thought for sure that Angelina Jolie's character was going to die there. And I was like, oh yeah, that would be the Hollywood drama ending. Well, in the book, Susanna says that she saw Lisa years later with like a two-year-old son or something. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> but that wouldn't be very dramatic. No. I just think like in real life, first of all, side characters aren't just there for personal growth. They, they kind of act like something terrible happens to them, but it's fine because 
you grew from it, but it's not like yeah. that in real life. And I like that too, that some of their, you know, like quote unquote side characters, they can't make everybody the main character in a movie. I know. Movies I don't work. know what I'm trying but to say there. I guess I like that they provide you enough that you can kind of like fill in your own like potential or wonder about it because I was like, oh yeah, I, I would take a movie like focused on Polly or a movie focused on Cynthia. Yeah, but like the movie is trying to say that like people with mental illness are normal, but on the other hand, they're they're saying, oh, they're not normal. Like they kill themselves and they're they're crazy and they run away and like all this bad stuff happens to them. I mean, that's true too in real life. Like, you know, people that have succumbed to their mental Right. I, th- I think what I don't like that people do a lot in movies is they paint this character that, you know, is clearly like doomed and tragic. And yes, and then yes. there's like the, the scene where they die or they kill themselves. And then the result of that is just like, and then everybody examines their life as a result. Yeah. That's the part that I hate that it's just kind of like. you. That's what I was trying to say. What other notes do you have? Let's get through our big loves and hates for this movie, I guess. We have really hit pretty much all of my notes Um, oh one of my favorite frames in the whole movie when when you first meet lisa she like gets out a cigarette and someone out of frame just lights it for her and it's like another patient (laughs) that's like it's a perfect shot to illustrate how everyone just like bends to her will and like does everything for her exactly you see that right away yeah i thought that was hilarious Another little detail I thought was great was when they're at the ice cream parlor and they're starting to make a scene and you can see that one nurse in the background just like pretending she's not there. Is that the the pretty nurse that has the, the fiance? The I liked her too. You could tell she really kind of like liked everybody, but she was very, yeah, like meek and was just kind of like, guys, please don't create a scene on my job. I just want to sit and talk about boys with you. I don't want to actually do it. Right. No, I, I liked her a lot. And I've known a lot of staff that were like that, just like one yeah. of the girls. I remember the, uh, the family therapy session. That just made me want to hide my head. I was like, oh, God, they're awful. That's the only time you really see her parents. Yeah, like you see them a little in flashback, but that's like the only time they kind of get a personality and it's not a good one. That's also <laughs> the scene where you find out that Dr. Uh, that Melvin has mm-hmm. told her parents about her diagnosis, but he hasn't told her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he has revealed that she has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that Susanna is hearing about this, and she doesn't know what it is, so she's freaking out. And then at the end, she's like, "Is this genetic?" Yeah. <laughs> and Melvin is like, "Yeah, that's five times more likely." If if and the parents parent... immediately are angry, yeah. <laughs> and they don't really explore that anymore, which I I wish they had. Well, that's something else. Back to book differences. I guess her parents never once came. Wow. So it does make sense why they couldn't like explore it too much because it would be total fiction. Damn. I mean, there's a lot of reasons people don't visit. Like, maybe it's far away. Maybe they're dealing with their own feelings about it. Like, my mom, when I was uh, in treatment the first time, my mom didn't visit me. But, you know, she was dealing with a lot of stuff on her own at the time. And it was an hour away. She had six other kids to raise. So, like, I didn't hold that against her. She did come for one family session. And it was very emotional, from what I recall. But, like, that couldn't have been easy for her. So, like, I yeah. really did want... I, I don't know why I always feel sympathy for the parents in these movies. Like, in To the Bone, I felt a lot of sympathy for her stepmom. In To the Bone, I felt some sympathy for the parents, I remember. But I felt... I did not feel very much in this one. I think it's because it just... 
it was a small snapshot of reminding me everything that's annoyed me about any family session I've had with my parents. It felt like they immediately were just kind of like, oh, we're going to go here and you're going to blame us. What did we do to make this? Let's make this all about us, not yeah. our daughter who's clearly having trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's a short scene. We didn't even talk about Jared Leto trying to steal her away and like trying to have sex with her. I mean, we did briefly. I said, yeah, that he tried to get her to run away with him. and she But didn't. yeah, she the same day that she like takes him into her room and has sex with him or almost has sex with him. That's the night that she has sex with the orderly. And so then the therapist is like, you're promiscuous. And she has this great speech where she's like, how many guys do I have to fuck before I'm labeled promiscuous? Like two, five, nine. Yeah. I think she starts going downward for herself. She's like, is it 10? Is it five? Is it two? But then for guys, she's yes. Like, and if I was a guy, you know, like what would it be? 20, 50? (laughs) Yeah. And I love like this movie does a good job of bringing up a lot of really important themes like, you know, classism, racism, Mm -hmm. sexism, Mm all while kind of sticking to the bigger theme of mental health. But I really liked that scene because it's true. Like even today, it's still an issue. It's like if you're if you sleep around, if you like to have sex, you're mentally ill and fascinating. We could do a whole episode on that. It's the classic of a guy just has random sex with someone and he gets high fives. A girl's called a slut. (laughs) Oh, this is kind of related, but I really love it when they're at the ice cream shop and they're ordering peppermint stick ice cream. (laughs) And then one of the girls is like, peppermint dick. Well, Daisy's angry at them. She's like, it's just called peppermint. And then the other one just screams peppermint dick. (laughs) And then Cynthia's like, peppermint clit. I was shocked that they had that word in a movie in the Uh 90s. I was like, damn, movie. Good job. But yeah, I I don't really have any other notes except for just like how skinny Angelina Jolie is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Both of them are super skinny. And how skinny skinny Renona Ryder is. They're both super, super skinny. And we couldn't do an episode about this movie without mentioning it. We don't need to talk about it a ton. No, but I remember thinking that like one of the first times that I saw it is I was like, okay, so they have other characters that, you know, like are portrayed as your eating disorder characters. It's like, but are you looking at Renona Ryder? Holy fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people have all sorts of body types. Some people are naturally more thin than others. but Especially when she was younger. That is her body type. (laughs) Yeah. But still, it was just, yeah, I was like this one should have played and you know angelina jolie in this movie i don't know if it's intentional or not she just looks sick again she's a very striking person obviously in this movie like she's just super skinny she's got the heroin chic look very full lips and yeah and she is someone i feel like we've seen as the years go on that is very much you know like i can immerse myself in a character so i wouldn't be surprised if she specifically changed things about her body to play this oh yeah again we're not dissing Angelina Jolie's performance I just I can see myself watching this movie if I weren't in recovery and just like spiraling and just like wanting to look like that because that has been me in the past again why I said like I know I probably saw it like several times first couple years after it came out and I'm sure a lot of them were just knowing like well this one's a good trigger She's just, she's just hot. I'm, it's, she's very hot in this movie. And I feel yes. weird that I think, like, the, you know, eating disorder advocate in me is like, are you okay? And then also I'm just like, damn, you look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I will wrap it up with one thing that, that I kind of liked, which was the little nods to the Wizard of Oz. Moving <gasps> in and out. I have that quote too. This is perfect. I don't have a quote from it, but I just know, you know, like 
Georgina's reading the book in the beginning. And at one point they have the movie on, which I felt, I just remember wherever it came, I felt like that was like really good placement because, you know, Wizard of Oz movie stars Judy Garland, who had all of her own problems. Yeah, like, you're right. That's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. There's a scene right before Susanna leaves and the Wizard of Oz is playing on TV. And you're right. Georgina was reading the books earlier in the movie. I didn't even catch that. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the patients are just so emotional. It's a very poignant moment. And Glinda, the good witch is saying, you always had the power to return to Kansas. Mm -hmm. Like you, and you see like some characters tearing up and it's like, holy shit. Like I really do have the power to get myself out of the situation, but I have to go through everything first to like get to the point. It was very emotional. I really loved that too. Yeah. I I really liked all the Wizard of Oz nods. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, in general, I think the movie had some positive themes of just like normalization of neurodivergence Mm -hmm. and self-empowerment, I guess. Like the only person that can help you is you and no one else is going to give as much of a shit about you as you. Uh, That's kind of what I took away from it. What about you? I agree. Um, I think, you know, I've already like said throughout this episode, but I feel like a lot of the like Whoopi Goldberg lines that I lifted and quoted that that's a lot of what she's saying is just kind of like you got to do this yourself you can't let someone else do it for you mm-hmm. you can't expect the world to change for you instead of making your own change you really can't let your own personal progress be so much affected by the struggles of others and that was a really hard yeah. pill to swallow for me no pun intended no but that is a hard thing <laughs> in general to get through i mean for me at least i am very good at following the rules and doing what i'm told and stuff and so i don't really spend a lot of time in treatment like the longest mm-hmm. i've been in treatment was like inpatient was two months and i would mm-hmm. get out before some people that had been there before me and yeah i felt really guilty about it and like you see lisa's reaction in the movie to, she's really upset actually and susanna almost lets that hold her back mm-hmm. but in the end like you do those people the most tribute by like getting out and living your life yeah like you can't help someone else by holding yourself back Exactly. And yeah, it's it's a good thing to get those feelings out, like writing them down, talking about it on a podcast. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, that is Girl Interrupted, our very disorganized take. Yeah, I, I liked this rewatch more than I expected. Me too. I think people should watch it and let us know what they think. Yeah, especially if you haven't seen it. Oh my I mean, god. I, had, I hadn't seen it, you know, in like over a decade, at least. But yeah, it's a very good movie. You should you see should it. Watch. Um, okay, I'm ready for the palate cleanser now. <laughs> okay, so here's the history behind it. Based on our, our episode, I thought there has to be some sort of like, not serious, but like really humorous quiz out there that is what would your, your mental illness be? Or what mental patient would you be or something like that? <gasps> I looked all of these up, I would say, like, for a good hour I was looking through, and we have apparently become so fucking politically correct that no one is allowed to have a sense of humor about this stuff anymore. Oh, I was not expecting you to say that. (laughs) Yeah, there, there is nothing like it. All I was finding is, like, serious quizzes, you know, and they would have disclaimers. It's like, we're not diagnosing you if you feel that you need help, you know, and they clearly were only taking it seriously. That's kind of the, the problem I ran into when I was trying to find, like, coping mechanism quizzes. I was trying to do, like, a generate your coping mechanism, like, a funny quiz, but all of them were very serious. Right, and they're probably really serious, like, this might be one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I decided to make up my own. I was hoping you would say that! (laughs) (laughs) And... 
just so it's a good collaborative effort, I do have all of the results. I, <gasps> I wrote all of those myself. Lauren, we should put this on BuzzFeed or something so people can take it. Yeah, the only thing I'm nervous about is, like I said, because there seems to be so much backlash if you just try and, like, be straight out funny, like, no serious. Okay, do it. Give it to me first, and then we'll see what people think. And if you guys want us to put it out there for you to take, we'll do it. Maybe. Because I do want it to be a collaborative effort. So I have seven questions, and they all have six answers, of which I wrote four, and I want you to write the other two. Oh, okay. I'm just just here for it. I I, I won't read you all mine, so it will be a surprise. But just, just so you get an example of where I was going, like, one of my questions is... What is your favorite food? And the four answers I gave were straight spoonfuls of hot sauce, tacos, sucking on dry pasta until it's softened enough to chew, and and your own snot because it's high in protein, you know? Oh, (laughs) Lauren, that's nasty. So give me two. Two foods? Two answers to what is your favorite food. Again, could be truthful or not, just a good answer. Oh, fuck. This is so hard. Don't think too hard. It's whatever comes to your mind. Dollar Tree cookies. Nice. And canned tuna. Okay. If you were an animal, what would you be? Cat, duh. That's yep. my answer. These aren't you answering it. These are giving me you giving me two possible answers to these questions. Okay, okay. Um, let's make the other one be a uh, hamster. Okay. Which of these would be your ideal vacation? Give me two answers to that Psych question. Board. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. One more. A cabin in a woods far away from everyone I know. Okay. What is your biggest fear? Um, having acne when I'm 40. <laughs> Fair. I am 30 now and my acne is worse than it's ever been in my life. And it affects my mental health more than I would like to admit. If it helps you, I had terrible skin and it never seemed to clear up at all, no matter what I did, until I was 30. Okay. So you might be on an upswing now. Let's hope so. <laughs> Um, and the other answer, what is my greatest fear, would be someone reading my journal to all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've kind of done that on the podcast before, though. But Well, that's okay. I mean, the thing is, I don't want these to be, like, your answers, because I'm going to give you the, the six answers to choose from, and you just choose all your okay. own. So, yeah, someone reading my journal in public, I guess. Pick your ideal mate. Give me two answers. Two possible answers. Uh, I don't care as long as they're in therapy. (laughs) And then someone who does the dishes and doesn't ask any questions. That is an ideal mate. (laughs) Right? Yes. Um, Which of these is your favorite pizza topping? Name two two possibilities. Mushrooms. Already have it. Gotta do another one. Okay. Spinach. No, banana peppers. Keep it spicy. (laughs) And last one. Who do you think you were in a past life? <laughs> a blade of grass. Lovely. And I don't know, an otter. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to be an otter. Right? Oh, and, and, and one more because I also realized that there could be a lot of ties. So okay. I have some tiebreaker questions. Name any random object. A mug. All right. Now, <laughs> now. We are going to take this quiz, which I have officially titled, What's Your Damage? What's your damage? <laughs> I already love it. Okay. So now we're take- you're taking it for real. All right. I can't wait. If you were an animal, what would you be? One, a raven. Two, a dog slash a doge. Three, <sighs> a centaur. Ooh. Four, a cat. 
Five, a goldfish at a carnival in one of those tiny plastic bags of water. Or six, a hamster. Okay, I have always wanted to be a centaur, but I don't really think they count as animals. (laughs) So I would say cat. Okay. What is your favorite food? One, Dollar Tree cookies. Two, straight spoonfuls of hot sauce. Three, tacos with three exclamation points. Four, sucking on dry pasta until it's softened enough to chew. Five, canned tuna. And six, your own snot. It's high in protein. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) I'm gonna say Dollar Tree cookies. Okay. I'm trash. Which of these would be your ideal vacation? One, camping out where the Blair Witch Project was filmed. (laughs) Two, the psych ward. Three, Switzerland. Four, sitting in your room in the dark and crying for five days. Five, Narnia. And six, a cabin in the woods far away from everyone I know. I'm going to go with crying for five days. I bet my skin would be great after that. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I was pretty proud of that answer. I love it. Okay. What is your biggest fear? One, razor blades in your Halloween candy. Two, having acne when I'm 40. Three, bears. Four, someone reading my journal in public. Five, cows in a field who are secretly planning your demise. Or six, nothing. Fear fears me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go with acne when I'm 40. (laughs) That feels like cheating because I did that one, but... (laughs) Well, that's what I was trying to tell you. I was like, don't answer these truthfully. Just give me an answer. But you have good ones for somebody else taking it. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, and I forgot to give a disclaimer. When I was running out of um, potential answers, then I did just kind of start plugging Jason Statham (laughs) into all my answers. (laughs) All right, fair warning. So so I have, pick your ideal mate. I don't care as long as they're in therapy. Two, your high school crush. Three, your high school crush's former crush. Four, Jason Statham. (laughs) Oh my God. Five, your cat personified as a manga character. (laughs) And six, someone who does the dishes and doesn't ask questions. I'm going to switch things up and just go with my high school crush's crush. Nice. Yeah. I, I always end up, ended up really good friends with my crushes, female friends. I'm that still in touch sense. with some of them. That's cool. I know. Yeah. They're all super great people. You have something in common. I okay. know. <laughs> Which of these is your favorite pizza topping? One, olives. Two, human fingernails. Three, <laughs> pineapple. Four, marshmallow fluff. Five, banana peppers. And six, mushrooms. Mushrooms. I know. I can't imagine what kind of answers some of these are going to produce. Well, the fun thing is, is I just did it totally random. Oh, I can tell. They they do not actually relate to like, I think this one would produce this option. I just answered questions and then I made results. I can't wait to hear my results. Who do you think you were in a past life? One, a blade of grass. Two, Jason Statham. Yes, I know he's still alive. Just go with it. (laughs) Three, Lassie. Four, Joan of Arc. Five, an otter. Or six, Benjamin Franklin's quill pen. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, I really love Benjamin Franklin's quill pen. (laughs) I wonder what that says about me, like, psychologically. So, your damage is depressed. You know that life's a piece of shit and then you die. Each generation is doomed to repeat the last generation's mistake. And even the grandest gesture you can imagine making will still be completely meaningless in the big picture. And hey, I'm not going to disagree. You have my permission to tear down five inspirational posters you come across. <laughs> I love it. That's my damage, all right. What did you get? Did you take this whole thing? I didn't because I was making it all up. Oh, so I, just, I felt, yeah, I felt too, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, this episode's really long, so maybe we yeah. should save that for next time. We can tell people where they can take this, and then you can share what you got. If I feel like I can post it somewhere where people won't like try and like, throw, throw things at me on the street because they're like, people actually have mental illnesses and you're making oh, fun of them. But that's why we can post stuff like that because we're mentally exactly. ill. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on that note, I hope everyone has a lovely week. Also, yes. our 100th episode is next week, Lauren. Oh my God. <laughs> so send us your thoughts you can send us a voicemail or just leave us a message just tell us what pickles and vodka has meant to you and we'll play it on the episode next week i mean it's only my 10th episode or so but i'm still excited <laughs> oh yeah don't worry i have something special planned for you oh boy <laughs> but yeah um can't wait to see you guys there and stay safe in the meantime 100 baby 100 baby <laughs> all right bye <laughs> bye, bye.